you know, as debate continues on the legitimacy of transgenders, I wanted to offer another debate for people to consider before we actually start the show today. And I recorded this after the filming of our show because some identify only two sexes, right? Christians say the Bible says there's man and woman, and it's externally determined. Is this true? Well, I don't think the answer is as simple as that. Consider this. How in God's kingdom do you explain hermaphrodites? Which sex are they? Who gets to choose? And if external male and female has discrepancies, is it possible for external characteristics to not match with their view of who they are? So we all have these chromosomes and what are called sex chromosomes. Females have XX, males have an XY. And honestly, we actually all start out female. And then after about six to seven weeks of gestation, the expression of a gene on the Y chromosome induces changes that result in the development of the testes. So the production of testosterone at about Nine weeks of gestation results in the development of the reproductive tract and the masculinization, which is the normal development of male sex characteristics of the brain and the genitalia. But what if this doesn't work the way God planned it? If it is God that declared only two sexes, did God screw up? Or are we confused on the reality of his actual design? You know, hermaphrodites, for those Christians that believe that God made us perfectly and that no variation is possible, then offer an actual argument that perfection doesn't exist within God. And so there's various different forms of hermaphrodism, right? There's the 46XX hermaphrodism, 46XY hermaphrodism. There's what's known as true gonadal hermaphrodism. And then there's a complex hermaphrodism. So the 46XX hermaphrodism, you have two XX chromosomes and the ovaries of a woman, but you appear to have external genitalia that appear to be male. And this is usually caused by an excessive exposure of the female fetus to male hormones in the woman, right? You have a 46XY hermaphrodism, that has one X and one Y chromosome and is usually seen in males, but the external genitalia are either not completely formed or they resemble those of females. And this also has to do with sort of an imbalance of the hormones. Um, and then you also have what's called gonadal hermaphrodism where they have both ovarian and testicular tissue, either in the same gonad or in one ovary and in one testes. And you know, the external genitalia can vary in form from male to female to very ambiguous. There's complex hermaphrodism, which involves uh, other various disorders of sexual development behind, beyond those simple ones. This type is not usually associated with a discrepancy between the internal and the external genitalia, but instead the individual shows abnormal levels of sex hormones and incomplete sexual development. So if external genitalia 
can be confusing, why can the way people view themselves and see themselves not also be confusing? So please stay tuned for our show. All right. Hey, this is Eric McCoy, and I am with... I am Lona Curry, and I am the transgender mentor, and this is... And this is Walk a Mile in My Shoes. Right. <laughs> Last week, we broke apart, you know, some Christian views of homosexuality going uh, re- that basically required the death penalty. <laughs> <laughs> and today being a new day, and my love for sarcasm... We are going to actually discuss the sickness and the illness of my good friend, Lana. Now, before I show you why (laughs) something is wrong with him by a well-educated person who speaks for all people that are going through this, I want to explain real quick the transition uh, that you find through the uh, Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, also known as the DSM. And um, in 1980, Lana was categorized as a transsexual and gender identity disorder, right? In 1987, he remained a transsexual, but located under disorders usually first evident in infancy, childhood, or adolescence. Then gender identity disorder replaced transsexualism on the category of sexual disorders, which could fall in children, adolescents, or gender identity disorder not otherwise specified. (laughs) (laughs) Then when the DSM-5 came out, he no longer has gender identity disorder, but instead gender dysphoria. Now, Lana, I want to let you know there is something wrong with you. (laughs) And I want to affirm this with this quick video. All right. <laughs> I think one of the things that's really critical to understand is when you affirm somebody in a cross-gender identity, really what you're doing is saying, wow, there's something wrong with you the way God made you, uh, which is really damaging to the psyche. It's emotionally destructive. It's psychologically destructive. And so I think we need to be aware that when we're affirming somebody in a crest, what are you identity, telling people right actually now? Telling them, gosh, there's really something wrong with you the way God made you. <laughs> so, Lana, what? there is something wrong with you. I'm glad it's finally been figured out. And now I know. <laughs> we have, you know, we, we have. Oh, gosh. And it always has to do. There's somewhere creeping in all of this stuff is religion. Somewhere we see right under there, pray in Jesus name. And and so many of these organizations that our good friend here, Walt Hayer, is a part of is our, our organizations that are they're greatly involved in something that's so dangerous called conversion therapy. Yes. And. I know you got some more clips and I'm really eager to get to them all, but this is what I want to really want to say as far as Walt goes. And, and, um, you know, just so everybody knows, we want to give you, uh, uh, you know, just know that there's some things that could be triggering on either side in these videos. What we're trying to do is open up this line of communication about really about trying to be understanding of all 
humans in every way and bringing us together as humanity. But Waltz, Walt did his best to pray this, this thing away out of his life for a whole lot of years, and it never actually worked. Could we not then ask the question that if you are made this way, could God not have made you transgender? And absolutely. I mean, absolutely that he could have, you know, I mean, none of us know God's design. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. And, you know, the, you know, this guy, Walton, as I've been kind of looking over his videos and stuff, you know, he, he speaks for everybody. Yes. It sounds like, yes. You know, and which is very difficult for anybody to do. I mean, I'm a, I'm a recovering substance abuse, abuser, drug addict. I can't speak for everybody in that realm either. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so it, it is frustrating, you know, when you hear people that do speak for all people. Well, that's the, that's the, that's the issue with having agendas. When we, when we go to speak for everyone, I think that that's where the agendas come in. And, and we're in the, in the trans community, the LGBTQ plus community are being accused of having our gay and gender agendas mm -hmm. out because we are, are, are speaking for just how we want to be treated as human beings. And so when you have the other side come out and they, and they name our stuff, you know, the gay agenda, the gender agenda, we are not, it's very derogatory in the way that there, we could, we could equally throw it back and say the hate agenda, mm -hmm. the, you know, in, in what our jobs here, I believe on earth is, is to be uniquely ourselves and let our own life and healing speak for itself into the world. You know, you were saying, human. you know, you were talking about the uh, therapy, right? The transition yes. therapy. And yes, stuff. yes. And, you know, California has actually passed laws, supposedly, that was signed in by Jerry Brown back when he was governor. Um, and I don't really quite understand it completely, right? But to me, it's almost in line of like, you can't force people or therapists, especially with children, mm -hmm. you know, can't, uh, you know, force people to go through this type of transitional type therapy. You know, again, California mm -hmm. is a very liberal <laughs> yep, state yep. in general <laughs> with a lot of conservatives as well. Um, and this guy actually talks about that briefly. And, and this oh. actually was very interesting. And, you know, when we were looking at the videos last week, one thing that I was really seeing a lot was dishonesty. Yes. You know, within the stories yes. that he was that he was telling. Uh, right. Honesty lies manipulation. Yes. And I also saw that within this guy, too. Right. Mm -hmm. Let me show you a video real quick on this. Awesome. You know, I, I find it just really strange when when all of the research shows that 60 to 80 percent of this population are suffering from a variety of comorbid psychological, sexual and emotional disorders, and they're denying them access to therapy and telling the therapist that it's against the law for them to treat them. OK, I watched that video 
And that makes zero sense to me. That, that to me is a great manipulation, right? Yeah. I mean, so you're, te- you're saying that somebody, anybody, you can't go in and get treated for depression because you're a, a transgender. That doesn't make sense. It makes no sense. You know, and he, cause he's, he's talking about it in again, dealing with depression or anxiety or, or trauma or things like that. That has nothing to do with transgenderism. It has nothing you know? to do with it, but that's where he's correlating those stories. Cause prior right. in that video, the guy was talking about how, in California, they've passed laws against, uh, you know, that type of therapy to try to change mm-hmm. people or transition right. people. Right. It has nothing to do with what he was talking about there. It has nothing at all to do with what he's talking about. And, and, and I've watched so many of, of this man's talks. And, and again, I think that the biggest happening in this man's life is that he has a lot of unhealed trauma that he has grouped together and he has put it under this label as I, you know, this is what's made me transgender. It's all been, I'm a victim. It's all been an atrocious, you know, atrocious happening to me when, as we will see, you know, later on, even in this video, there were a lot of different chances and there, there was a lot of information given to this man that let him know that, I mean, in my opinion, should have let him know that these things are not as one. And I think that's our, that's what our issue is because I I never want to see people go through transition. I mean, just because I am a trans man myself, doesn't mean I stand on the side of rah, rah. If you feel you're in the wrong body, then get it switched, you know, go under the knife, get your hormones. I'm saying that I have felt like since I was four years old, that my body and my heart didn't match up. I suffered from a lot of childhood abuse too, but it started after that time. But here's the thing. I didn't start begin my gender transition till I was 44 years old and five years into my uh, recovery process from active addiction because I, I used to, to help escape the, the, the abuse. I used to help escape the dysphoria, all of those things. But I did not start transitioning until I had healed and gone through my healing process. That's why I started my transition at 44 years old, because I was ready to, to begin this and explore this in my life because I had dealt with this other stuff. The problem is, is when you have unhealed childhood trauma, regardless of what ever label you put on yourself, be it bipolar, be it, you know, manic depressive, be it, be it whatever, you got to deal with that shit, man. That shit. See, I think about this. And to me, this is one of the frustrating parts for me in looking at a lot of this stuff is you know, there's so much and, you know, going through, you know, the legislatures of different states and Congress and things like that, you know, trying to pass laws against all kinds of things. Yeah. You know, and to me, I look at this, I mean, realistically, right, you got policymakers, educators, you know, that are debating the rights, you know, obviously of transgender children in schools. But they have no federal data to answer probably one of the most basic, simple questions. 
How many trans children are there? Correct. Right. Correct. You know, and I and I think about, you know, they're putting all this energy and all this focus into this where we probably have a lot of other things that we could probably put so much more emphasis on. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because, I mean, I, you know, again, like we've talked before about, you know, like, you know, the educational system that we have is horrible. Absolutely. You know, we need to change this system. That would be a great thing to focus on. Perfect. You know? Yes. Why are we, why are we spending so much energy and focus, you know, on this topic? When again, we don't yeah. even really know what the percentage is, you know, of, of they, they kind of estimate, you know, that it's like, you know, somewhere around, you know, 0.7% of 13 to 17 year olds that are living in the right. United States, you know, probably maybe 150,000 teenagers. Right. And but what we do know, though, is that 40 percent of homeless youth identify as a part of the LGBTQ, you know, plus community. Right. So I I think it's like anything, you know, that we talk about now is when we when we sensationalize something, we drive the fear home. And once we blow it up and make it bigger than it truly is we get to have an agenda behind it. Um, we've seen it just this last year in what are true COVID numbers and, and what aren't. I mean, if we're saying percentage wise, if we don't look at what the real numbers are and how can we, you know, we mm-hmm. can't necessarily, then we're able to manipulate that into however we want to paint the big picture. And I think that that's the same in this situation as well. We make these big trans issues, even in my state with the bathroom issues, right. you know, we, we blow them up like that so we can make a big deal out of them so that we can drive our agenda. And it seems like he with the most resources has the biggest platform and maybe wins in the situation. Right. And yeah, I'm, I'm really, really with you. We, there's so much more that we could be focusing in. If we're going to talk about children, there's so much more we could focus in on Absolutely. to be helpful and, and help them be healthy, whole, free thinking right. human beings. Yeah. Not just, you know, cause I mean, to, like what this guy is doing is he is using that. He's utilizing fear. Yeah. He's utilizing, utilizing, uh, you know, child abuse yes um i wanted to show you another quick video on um and i was thinking i'll kind of put this in in context in order of um where he talks about him dressing up as a child and then in another speech the relationship with the grandmother and calling it child abuse Mm -hmm. so i'm going to show you these real quick it's four years old when uh in 1944 when i was uh, first started cross-dressing and um, it, what we've what I found out as a child you know at that time they didn't know what gender dysphoria was or transgenderism in 1944 it was mm-hmm. just a boy who was curious had the term transgender even been coined in 1944 no, no, it, okay. no. not until um, nearly 10 years later before right. the, before it was coined so your experience is quite pioneering in that sense oh it was yeah, I was days. one of the very early ones and so, you know, it, it's based on a feeling. You feel like you have these feelings and then uh, you become attracted to the clothing. And so my grandmother made me a purple chiffon dress that she uh, dressed me in and she affirmed me. You know, this is what you're supposed to do, affirm them and help them. And So in that video, 
Right. There's a couple of things that really kind of point out. Number one is he's a pioneer, right? Yeah. So he's one of yeah. the first doubt. Yeah. Not exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> doubt it. I'm sure that goes way back. Um, yeah. But he also identifies that this is something he liked to do. This was something he did. This was choices that he made. Yeah. And then the grandmother made a dress, affirmed him, whatever that means. Right. And I think he defines it later as you're pretty. Yep. Now, why can't guys be? Hey, I want Lana. I want to let you know you're pretty. Thank you. Yeah. Why can't? <laughs> why can't? Why can't guys right. be defined as pretty? Right. Right. <laughs> right. And this became so later in his testimony. <laughs> this became this big secret between him and the grandmother. Now, now, through his own words, the grandmother is the only one affirming this the grandmother is the only one supporting this want or attraction to this clothing now when he takes this he sneaks this dress home and eventually it's found Mm -hmm. so from this moment you know everything blows up he's now let this secret out because he got put on the spot by his mom his father is a very masculine cop who gets very angry so what we see born in this moment is shame so now we have and so we're calling the grandmother the abuser correct we're not on the other hand calling the originator of the shame you're bad you're wrong you're different we're not calling that abuse we're calling this abuse correct and i want to show you the video real quick that 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 says this. The moment you affirm a child like my grandma did putting me in a purple chiffon dress and telling me how cute I was, how wonderful I looked, is the, at the very same moment that you're affirming that young person, you're telling them there's something wrong with them, that you're not right. That is child abuse. We need to begin calling it what it is. Grandma didn't tell you something was wrong with you. Grandma indulged correct. this little thing between you all. It, if I am correct in saying it was the father that let you know right off the bat whenever this was discovered that there was something wrong with you, not because you were female or male or whatever, but because you were doing something that is seen to be opposite of your gender. Correct. That, my friend, is child abuse. And when he started to beat you, because then from that, his his testimony goes on to say that his father then beat him and, and did harsh discipline with him. That, now he did utter this in this other video, that to today's standards, would be considered abuse. Now, Walter's very careful. But not then. Right. Yeah, because, well, back in those days, you know, you beat the shit out of your kids. Absolutely. And that has nothing to do with No, that's not abuse. No, that's not abuse. And Walt saying this himself says he's very careful to make sure that the grandmother is placed in the absolute no-holds-barred title of abuser but when we're talking about dad and the discipline of of almost having to get this beat out of him and 
make him more manly. It's almost as if Walt is saying this from a place of understanding, like this is what he should have done. Well, that's, that's fascinating though, you know, in that context, you know, with the father, the father is technically the abuser. If he's beating Mm -hmm. the shit out of his kid too, you know, I mean, that's physical abuse. Absolutely. And you've got the grandmother, you know, obviously seeing something he's doing anyways. Right. Cause he had a brother. Hey, let's have fun with it. Maybe makes a dress. Hey, you look so cute. Right. Right. That's abuse. And and that's abuse. That's the abuse because it sells the agenda that none of this was my fault. See what I find fascinating in all of this is that there's so much deflection of, of any of, of the ownership of any of these things. Mm -hmm. I would respect this man's stance. I would respect, and I do respect him as a human being, as in a person. I mean, I've got great love for him because I feel like he went through a lot. I mean, he was even sexually molested. And when he told by an uncle, so the other grandparents, when he went to, he didn't get to see this grandmother anymore unless the family was around. So this was shameful. I mean, this whole thing ended up being shameful. Mm -hmm. And so we have planted a seed of this side of you, Walt, is shameful. Mm -hmm. And don't you ever let it out. But now he goes to the other grandparents' house where his uncle, who was a teenager, began molesting him. Now, when he goes back and he tells these same family members, the, the father, the mother, that he's being molested by Uncle Fred, they tell him he's lying again. We're talking about real child abuse that this man has suffered. Now, did he and define yet, did he define that as abuse? No. No. <laughs> the the no. uncle? Now the uncle he defined as as you know molesting him. But he, in that same story, has compassion for the uncle. He didn't want to come out and say anything against the uncle because by that time he was in the Marine Corps. He was a drill sergeant. His father was a police officer. Well, that now he's a Christian male. No, none of this other stuff. This is the, the grandmother. Only grandma. Wow. Only grandma. The sexual abuse, physical abuse are not abuse. Not abuse. But... Grandma making a dress, making a dress for him's abuse. Yes. And saying you're absolutely, kidding. absolutely. And you know, we gotta, we gotta understand this too, Eric. Walt has a brother. So if grandma wasn't dressing up brother in dresses, it was because he was doing it anyways. It's something, something else was going on. Yeah. Something else was going on. And you don't become transgendered because you were affirmed. No. At five, six years old. No, you know, that, that is, you know, in psychology, you know, obviously we study psychology, you know, you can go all the way back to yes, Freud and, and, you know, yep. you know, the, the uh, developmental stages, you know, that we all go through Eric Erickson, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, every big thinker in psychology, you know, always revolves around at that age, there is role confusion. There's a lot mm-hmm. of confusion that goes on. I mean, even just the concept Fair. of male and female, what is it? You don't even really know. I mean, at you four don't. years old, I mean, you're not really going to quite grasp that anyways. No. Uh, you know, we were talking before about, you know, because he kind of ke- keeps relating to this, you know, like four-year-olds getting 
affirmed and fine. I don't think really that, I mean, I don't, I mean, I don't really understand a whole firm thing, but, <laughs> but, you know, like we were saying, like, you know, transition or surgeries or things like that. Sure. That should not happen when people are, no. are young. You got to wait till no. the brain develops and, yes, and, you know, to be able to figure out who you are, who are you? Yes. And, yes. and honestly, that who who am I question is always an evolving thing. You're never going to get the yes. full answer. <laughs> no. You, know, you get no. into drugs and, and you lose your values, you lose your morals, and you get clean, and then you yep. try to gain them back, and then you relapse, and you go, you know, yep. that's the yep. greatest way to, to lose yourself. Yep. And, Absolutely. You know, in in... And this is, again, really just comes back to that question, though. Who am I as a person? Who am Absolutely. I? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and finding that person. And if you are, I mean, this is, again, where I stand on this is that if you, you know, if you feel that you're a male in a female's body and you eventually reach that place, great. Who right. Who cares? Absolutely. In my life. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. In the scheme of things, if we go by Walt's model, then I would have to blame my being trapped in the wrong body on my grandfather who treated me as, you know, uh, played with me rough and who let me ride dirt bikes and who affirmed me for just being his grandchild, bar it being female or male. My issues really started in when the females of my family started forcing me to wear dresses when I wasn't comfortable. What it comes from is the shame that is born inside of all of that. It's the shame that causes the issue. The shame is what causes you to question what's wrong with me. It's not the, it's not the affirming that, oh, you look cute in that dress or, or playing like that. It is, it is someone seeing you for, okay, this is what you like. This is what you're exploring, understanding you're a child, you're exploring, and I'm not going to down you for exploring this way. I, like Walt, used to dress when no one was looking in say my grandfather's jeans or my stepdad's boots or or put a hat on but not because not because of abuse but because I had already felt shame in the fact that I wasn't supposed to do that mm -hmm. I was born a girl and I wasn't supposed to do that. That didn't come from You're anything supposed to be other wearing than. dresses and exactly. And because I didn't like that stuff, I felt tortured to be in it. Then you know there was something wrong with me. I think we get into more than we need to. And I know we want to talk about this more than we need to jump into hormone blockers for young kids. More than we need to jump into you know surgeries for young kids. I think we need to jump out of imposing shame yeah. upon them from our own places of fear, from our own places of understanding. We should be imposing, just be you. 
Uh, yes. I mean, that's, you know, I like, in, I do groups all the time and, and always the biggest question I ask everybody, who are you? Mm. Tell me who you are and mm. be you. You know, I, yes. I do also do a lot of educational on family systems mm-hmm. and, you know, looking at what a dysfunctional family is versus a, you know, a healthy or functional family. And one of the greatest components to it's communication. Yes. You know? I mean, as, yes. as, you know, as a, a, a dysfunctional family develops when the needs of the individuals aren't being met and, or there's a violation of boundaries. Beautiful. And when you look at the needs, you know, there's, you know, loving, loving, you know, like you actually belong to the family that you yes. have a say so in the family that you have a sense of privacy, you know, right. that we, we encourage you to, you know, I, to help you find you who you are. Mm. A healthy family would basically step back and say, whatever that is, great. I love you. I support you. Right. You know, I may not right. agree with you. Right. And, and that's okay. Because right. that's another thing that we want to, you know, educate and teach our kids about is that, you know, it's okay to disagree. We right. can agree to disagree, right? Fighting fair within a family. Yes. You know, and that I can, I can, uh, you know, communicate, I can trust in you, I can say anything to you, you won't jump yeah. down my throat. That's right. a healthy family. Now, Absolutely. is there a real perfect healthy family? <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> no. Is the Brady no. Bunch family really exist? No. Although no. there was something odd about that family, but. <laughs> well, I thought I was the only one that thought that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh I used to love that show when I was a kid. I know. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. But, um, but that's, that's, I think the biggest part though, is that, you know, and I think that if you really love your kids, you know, as so many people say, cause this is where things get crazy to me, you know, is that they're like, Oh, I love my children. I love my children. And then you get one that comes out as gay and they're like, going, all right, you get the fuck away. I don't right. Want, you know, right. you know, then you mean you didn't love your kids then. Right. Right. I mean, that's you the loved your you know, idea of them, like, or you un- love them conditional. Yeah. Unconditional. I will say, okay. That my parents taught me this, right. My parents taught me. I, and I'll say I, I had a very dysfunctional family growing up in a lot of ways. Right. Uh, my dad was a workaholic. Communication really was non-existent. We never talked about feelings. You know, um, I was basically taught to just shove down all your shit, you know, um, you know, if you want something to cry about, I'll give you something to cry about, you know, yeah, highway or the highway, right? <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. But I will tell you this, my parents throughout my life into my adulthood did, did show me one thing, unconditional love. That's you know? amazing. And um, even through all of the stuff that I went through and all the craziness I, I did, all the stupidity, you know, my parents were still there. You yeah. Know? Um, yeah. And, uh, and the story also, and this was another thing, you know, the story of my son, right, born a female, mm-hmm. um, raised with my parents. Mm. Because, you know, obviously I was in my crazy drug use and right. all that stuff. And so my son actually was raised by them. They are Christians. They, um, you know, it was something that, you know, obviously they were struggled with a bit in the very Mm -hmm. beginning, Um, but they love him to death. You know, they do anything for him. Um, There was never a, you're going to hell, 
you know, <laughs> um, and uh, and that 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 really was powerful for me when I especially mm -hmm. seeing that with my with my son. Yeah, you know, my parents, my parents are my parents are amazing. Even though they were highly dysfunctional, but they're still, we're all dysfunctional, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. Aspects, right? um, Absolutely. But that was something really that was cool was was again going from the Christian thing side, the view, um, but not condemning him. Yeah, that was my grandparents were that way too, and I have to say that that was that that what that delivers to a human being, you know. I wish that I could have shared with my grandparents the, you know, the abuse, the amount of the abuse that I was going through, because I think what, what I tried to numb away so much with that, with that abuse was, was the painful of, you know, the why me question. Now, as far as the, and the only thing I was numbing with the, you know, being transgendered, even though like Walt, I didn't have that I did not have that title to be able to associate myself as, oh, okay, this is my box, transgender. Knowing that my body and my head and heart didn't match, I wasn't masking that. What I was masking is the shame that was would come of that if if I shared it. Mm. But you know, I when I came out to my grandparents as, you know, as being gay, because that was the closest thing I could fit in you know, having an attraction for women, you know, that was their take. They were Christian, but nothing changed from there. Like there was never a shameful moment. And if, and that was the only real time that I felt unconditionally loved. And for me to lose, you know, when they passed away, I wish they were here now going through, you know, just this gender transition, because I believe that they would be very happy for me to finally be happy, to feel comfortable enough in my skin, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I'm so grateful that, that your son was able to experience that because we have to know how, how amazing that truly is because not everybody gets that experience. I mean, we we're listening to Mr. Walt Hare and understand that Walt didn't have that experience, right? you know, I, you know, the, I, I think we had talked maybe about this before, but, you know, for a lot of people out there, it is a challenge at first, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, sure. everybody goes through, if you don't understand something, sure. then you struggle a bit naturally, if it doesn't make sense to you. And, that, right. and I think that's just being human. Um, and, and I'll even say this, you know, with, with my son was, it took me, it took me a while to get to the he versus the she, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and, but it was just, I mean, I'd known she right for 19 years, 20 years. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. And now all of a sudden we're he, uh, him, he, you know, kind of stuff. Yeah. And yeah. it took a bit. It took a sure. bit and it wasn't on purpose. I mean, it's just, right. you know, you, I mean, how do you switch off like that for doing something for 20 years? And then, you right. Just, <laughs> you know, right. It's absolutely true. And, uh, <laughs> and so, you know, so I do want to, and anybody watching the show, I mean, if anybody's going through this with a family member, um, you know, and, and you're struggling, it's okay. Yeah. You know, it's natural. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I've also realized that, you know, you may never fully understand it. 
you know, and, uh, but you can't accept it. That's the differences, you know? Yeah. And even, I don't have to agree with it. It's fine. Absolutely. But I can accept it, you know? Now with my son, I mean, I, I mean, I, I, if that's the way it is, that's the way it is. I, I love him to death, you know? And, well, uh, and, and seeing him happy. Yeah. And seeing him happy yeah. in who he is, you know, that just has to give you a sense of peace because what's the, what's the opposite of that is watching a person live on the brink of suicide or overdose or, yeah. or the things, you know, or, or certain death is on the other side of that you mean to tell me that it's more important for us to keep our sensibilities intact and watch that than it is to grow a little bit, expand ourselves and, and see someone we love help bring into the world happy. Yeah. And whatever that means, yep. you know, yep. your son decides some other time that, you know, maybe this wasn't what delivered he thought would deliver happiness. And he starts to go back or, or detransition, which is possible. People don't think that it's possible, but it is. Sure. And, and then, you know, you want to do what you can to, to see his happiness blossom in whatever way to yeah. me, that's the definition of a parent, a, a good human being, a, you know, a, an ally that, I mean, what are we doing in life? We're all just trying to get through life the best we can. That's right. You know, that's right. And, and for me, again, it's just be happy, enjoy life, not be stuck with anger. Right. Those feel bad. Right. I like things that feel good. Me too. (laughs) I'm with you. I'm with you. I want to show you a video real quick too, that uh, kind of, kind of, portrays going back to the who am I right Mm. and um, and I found this one interesting we've got to start helping the young people and when people ask for help from me I have one simple thing I always ask them tell me what caused you to not want to be who you are what caused you to not want to be you to not want to be who you are so you should have that already figured out. Yeah. Well, I mean, I kind of look at that in the sense that, you know, like everybody that he speaks to, right. Uh-huh. Um, has, if they've decided that they're not in the right gender, male, female, mm-hmm. that they are. And if they decide to transition then why do they not want to be who they are? So he's saying that who you are is not the other gender. Absolutely. Absolutely. I've heard in other talks, he takes a stand and says that transgender is not even a real thing. Right. Yeah. That, that it's, it's a, a, and, and again, for me, you know, I, we watch this guy and he blames everybody. You know, he blames his grandmother, he blames his doctor, he blames the nurse, he blames (laughs) across the street, right? Everybody's his fault, you know? Everybody. And he doesn't seem to really take responsibility himself for his choices because, again, you know, if he made the wrong decision, then he made the wrong, he made the wrong decision. I mean, that's made the wrong decision. We can't say, I can't say. You know, but he's sitting there blaming everybody else, 
And but he was how old was he when he did it? He was in his he like, was in his late forties, mid yeah, to late forties. Yeah, mid to late forties. Um, and then had the transition surgery, and then and then was eight years, ten years in, as a female. Yes, um, as a as a Laura. Yes, and uh, and then decides. I mean, in your forties. Right. I mean, come on. You can't, you know, it's like, right. That doesn't make sense. If, I mean, you obviously made a bad decision, you know, you obviously weren't you living with a very active mind. And right. Thinking. Right. Right. <laughs> we, got, oh, we got these, we got these things up here, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're supposed to use them for him. You know, this is this is what it really comes down to is in order for him to be accepted back in to this group of called manhood, it can't be on him. Mm-hmm. He can't take responsibility for that because if he's not a victim, then it, it it's his decisions. Yeah. And people are going to say, wait a minute, man, but you made the decision. But if I come back to you and I'm a victim. Yeah, he wants people to feel sorry for him. He does. That's how he can and they utilize. Do. Absolutely. I mean, he goes on all these Christian radio shows. That's right. And they portray, That's right. wow, what an amazing man. He's, this guy is, That's so, right. you know, he's he's moved in line with God mm-hmm. and what God made him as. And these horrible things that happened to him that took him to that place. God um, healed him. Yep. And what it does is it goes, it, it, it helps stamp their agenda of it being a choice. Mm-hmm. You made a choice to be gay. You've made a choice to be, you know, transgender. You're making a choice to be all these things. And if you get in line with God, God can heal you of that. But admittedly, Walt Hayer says that he prayed for years for God to take this away from him. And God did not take this away from him. So what I see here, and this is my own personal take on it, is that like many human beings do, many, all of us do, we are, we fall into the rhetoric that happiness lives outside of us Mm -hmm. and we build our identities. I mean, even Walt says in one of his other talks about his job that, he became an aeronautical engineer because of the status it gave, because of the yep. money that it yep. gave, the security that it gave. So we see Walt throughout his life building, seeking happiness externally. Yeah, absolutely. And, and transitioning. And so much, so much of what he does is is like the fame part. I mean, you just absolutely. see him on everything. He's on all kinds of stuff and always telling his story and um you know, to, to a point that it seems to be that agenda. There's, there's another agenda that's involved in this. Absolutely. Um, And, and it's interesting how he just speaks for other people. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. When in reality, I, I believe what, what he is doing at this time by not telling the real story. See, I, I think there's a deeper and more real story that Walt could be telling that could truly help humanity heal as a whole. Mm-hmm. But because he's he's still on this outside quest to gain happiness through external circumstances, 
what he's doing right now is putting people's lives in danger. And I'll say that with all that I am, because these same agendas put lives in danger every day. They drive people back into the underground of denying themselves. And this leads people to become hopeless. And I, I lived there. I know that very, very well. Like I said, I'm not standing on a podium that says the moment you feel some questioning, run out and get your hormones, run out and have your surgeries. But you've got a video that actually tells a little bit about the fact that, you know, there was pre-surgery conversations that Walt had, like, I believe two years. Walt, Walt was given options and Walt was looking for the fast track to happiness. And unfortunately, Walt, like so many, realized that it doesn't live outside of me. I don't think Walt has yet to realize it. But what I hope other people realize, yes. especially in the trans the LGBT community, mostly the trans, because trans is about gender. The other is about sexuality, that you're never going to find anything outside of you, religion anything outside of you is going to produce the type of long-term happiness that you think that it will. That's an insight. And I'll say this, and I'm going to speculate on this a little bit, but you know, with, you know, if you're male, if you're female, if you're, you, you feel you're born in the wrong gender, right. No matter what you do outwardly, right. will do absolutely nothing for you unless you work on the inside. That's the truth, you know, and, uh, you know, you've got a, you know, self-esteem, happiness, loving yourself, caring about yourself, you know, uh, not caring what other people think about you. That's right. It's a powerful one. Yes. Very (laughs) life-changing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I always, you know, like, um, uh, Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know, you know, at the top of the pyramid, yes. that's self-actualization, yes. that stage. Yes. It's, it's like the be yes. all you can be, you know, that my army motto, right? Yeah. <laughs> be all you can be, you know, and, uh, you don't need a lot of friends. You just need the right ones. You know, that's right. I, I, that's I don't right. You know, my, I have quality friends versus quantity. That's right. You know? That's uh, right. I'm okay. Sitting by myself alone doing Absolutely. stuff. I don't need to be you know, around all these people. I don't need all the chaos in life. You know, I decide, you know, who I associate with. I have people in my life that love me, care about me, support me, you know, that are there for me. That's it. Absolutely. Fuck all. Absolutely. That's right. That's right. (laughs) No time wasted enough suffering and and time on that, you know, in life. And you got to get to that place. And, And you're so right. If you don't do That's what I love about the recovery process is that that's basically recovery in a nutshell is is healing those things that keep you wanting to press that escape button Mm -hmm. and, and to really get to a place where you own your own power, that you own your own mind and, and heart, and that you don't have to be surrounded by a bunch of strangers to know that you are worthy. You don't need an agenda in order for the world to see you as worthy. And for Walt, the saddest thing is, in my heart and opinion, is that Walt still needs that external attaboy to make him feel worthy in his own skin. That's the saddest part of all this for me. Absolutely. And that's what he's striving for. 
Yes. You know, he's always that's wanting that pat on the back, you know, the good job. Yep. Um, and that's the thing, you know, and I think you did it right though, you know, because I mean, I, you know, as we've talked a lot and mm-hmm. I, I really enjoy your company. I have a lot of fun talking to you. Oh, I love you. Um, and, you know, I see you as you worked on your inside before you focused so much on your outside. Absolutely. You know, and so you had that spot, you had the place, the right place. I think you did it right. You know, mm-hmm. because if I get to that inwardly happiness, that joy in my life, you know, um, changing your outwardly appearance ain't going to do nothing. It's not, it's not. And, and I almost fell into that trap. I almost fell into that trap of identity by, and a lot of, a lot of, you know, trans humans do this as well, because we're just caught up and fixed on that. Once I once I begin to look like I feel on the inside then everything's going to be fine. And one of the reasons that I do the transgender mentor is the fact that that within itself is a lie because you don't start your transition and wake up the next day in this new body. And it just, you know, all the rest just goes away. I'm all happy. Absolutely. (laughs) You got years. And if you ain't ready for what's coming in those, those years where, where yes, your body's changing and your voice is changing, but it ain't changing at a rate that's that's stopping what you are emotionally having to go through and, and for and and be because you still got to be in your life. Yeah. If you're not strong enough to do that, you're going to fall into a situation, you know, like our friend Walt has fallen into, where you maybe weren't ready to handle it, yeah. and. You weren't Absolutely. prepared for what comes along with it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, 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 it's a dangerous situation on both sides of the coin. Yep. Dangerous. Absolutely. And I want to, I want to uh, end with a video here real quick where, you know, we had talked about fear, right? Fear is mm-hmm. one of the greatest provokers yes. of, of making things happen. Tell me what caused you to not want to be who you are. <laughs> of the time, they can tell me. They can tell me. I'm I'm feeling the pain right now of them sharing with me some of these stories because even I weep. They're ugly. They're horrible. They're so deep, nobody wants to talk about it. But we better start talking about it. We're ruining an entire generation of young people. And it's serious business. I'm not pulling any punches anymore. And you shouldn't either. Thank you. Yes, we are ruining an entire generation of... Because of this? Because of this. Yeah, exactly. 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 And 100% of the time, 100% of the time, they can tell me the, the horrible story. Yeah, the that made them believe that they were transgender yep. and it has nothing to do with it, it has everything to do. But with the sex. question is how many people are he, is he talking to? Absolutely. Yeah. Quite a few, quite a few. And that's, what's detrimental. That's what's harming a whole generation of human beings is because once again, we're telling them be ashamed mm-hmm. of what you feel be ashamed of who you are, 
be ashamed of your confusion. Be ashamed. If right. you're anything but cis, meaning happy in your own gender, if you're anything but that, be ashamed. Well, and if you communicate to him, like let's say you decide to reach out to him and oh, mm-hmm. I'm confused, stuff like that. What are you going to get? There's something wrong with you. Absolutely. Right? Um, God didn't make you this way. That's right. And, uh, and, and why are you wanting to be not who you are? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I mean, that, so that's in what, itself is not moving. Yeah. That's not hurting people. That's not hurting people. Right. And he's not pulling out any punches. I just want to hear one time, one interview in all the interviews. And there's hundreds of interviews with this guy. I want to hear in one of them where he tells his true story from the perspective of taking responsibility. Eric, what do we know in the recovery world is that you can't fix something you don't acknowledge about yourself. Absolutely. Take account full accountability. That was my, you know, that was my premise in my book that I wrote. You know, I talk about, you know, I found freedom when I was locked up in a jail. Mm-hmm. And um, and that freedom came from taking responsibility, you know. Absolutely. And I talk about that, you know. I had legitimate reason people to blame, right? Sure. I had yes. one time I was arrested. I had weed planted on me by the cops, right? That's how they were allowed to search my car. That's mm-hmm. illegal. Second mm-hmm. time they they uh, they raided me and and without a search warrant, right? Um, and so I had legitimate reasons that I could blame. Yeah the cops for, for this, you know, but I eventually came to a realization, this epiphany yep. that I wouldn't be here if I hadn't been doing the shit I was doing. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And then I ended up switching it and I thank God for those cops, you know, because I, I would be dead, you know? Absolutely. And, um, yep. and so without them and without their assistance, I wouldn't be here today. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I understand that and completely feel you. I had, I felt justified in my hate until the moment that I sat there and I realized that I was giving them every bit of power that I had and that the hate was not living in them. It was living and destroying me. And that for me to be a creator of my own reality, for me, to live up to what was biblically told for me to have, which is life and abundantly. In order for me to have that, I had to drop the blame and I had to to step into forgiveness. And one of the comments I saw under the last thing that I was watching of Walt, all of these comments were, what a beautiful man, how forgiving he is. Never once have I heard him say, I've done the work to forgive this one, that one, even abusive grandma. We haven't even, there's no forgiveness for abusive grandma. Except for the father who beats the shit out of me. That's okay. Absolutely. Back then it was fine. You know, that's absolutely, you know, it's hate is an interesting word too, because Mm -hmm. if you're filled with hate, you'll never understand love. Right. Never. Think about think about this. Right. When you throw hate into a statement with love, it's always hate. I love to always. hate, hate to love. Yep. Yeah. Yes. 
Both of yes, those are yes, hate. Yes. There's not, there's no love within that. There's not, you know, I, I was, there's I not. thought about that one day and I was, I was literally thinking like hate, even either way you look at it with the love in the equation, I hate to love or hate, or I love to hate. Love doesn't fit in either one of those. <laughs> nope. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And that is can't the very be filled with hate and, and have love. You can't. So therefore all of this help Walt is trying to give cannot be coming from a place of love, cannot be coming from a place of understanding. It can only come from a place of judgment. Yep. What's wrong with you? Yep. Something's wrong with you. Yep. And, 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 you know, I, 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 I got love for this man because I see another human being that is still to this day suffering. And Walt has to be in his seventies at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is a man. Yeah, well, actually he's, he was born in the forties. So in the, yeah, almost be eight. Well, Absolutely. I don't know what year yeah. he was born. Uh, I was born 41. He turns 80 this year. So, <laughs> so yeah. So this is a man who is coming to the, probably the ending times of his life. And he will never have known true love. Yep. He will never have known God's love because you can't feel it. If, if you're clouded, by all of this judgment he's never going to know true happiness he may have a family that loves him and that's great it's wonderful at the same time did you ever get to love yourself walt right ever in this whole journey did you ever love yourself we'd love to have you on the show absolutely absolutely walt and 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 really in all honesty because we want to walk a mile in your shoes I want to understand if 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 i'm wrong in anything that i have assumed about your life from listening to your story you know bring it on home and let you know let me know because i'm not here to ridicule you i'm not here to stand against you we're here to stand with you in a place of walking a journey home to happiness yep absolutely I want to thank everybody for tuning into another episode of Walk a Mile in My Shoes. Again, I want to walk a mile in your shoes. That's right. And, and we'll we're going to walk a mile in each other's shoes. We're there we go. To bring, bring humanity back by being more human. That's how we do it. Absolutely. And so we'll see you next week. All right. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye.